Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 564, and tonight Sasha is across the room from me, but she is here. Now, it's just Sasha and I, and tonight we're going to be looking at a beautiful single board computer from Pine64 that is going to be manufactured all the way through at least to 2022. We've also uh, got the GNU image manipulation program pre-installed on my laptop. I can't wait to show you the new features in 10, uh, pardon me, version 2.10.4. It's a free alternative to Adobe Photoshop if you ever wanted to edit photos or even get into graphic image editing um, as a profession even. This is a free alternative to the commercial applications uh, available for you. And we're going to show you how you can get that and show you just uh, some of the new features as well. Lots of great stuff coming up. Don't go anywhere. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to episode number 564. Are we actually at 564? Is that for real 64 that is insanity that's great incredible now sasha and i are both in studio d and for those who would say oh it's like they're not even on the same camera it's true we but we have this great shot so that sasha i can i can look over at you you've got to see but when you look that oh way, i have to look away. straight at yeah you have to sure. actually look at the the drapes the drapes yeah like I'm, there i'm basically I'm basically the floor over there. Am I looking at you right now? No, not at all. The you're, drapes? Which drapes? You're thinking, you're pondering things oh. right now. Like the red curtain, maybe. There. There you go. Oh, hey, Sasha. Hey. Oh, hi, hi, Sasha. <laughs> wow. It's Mini Robbie. This is crazy. So we've had, <laughs> <laughs> we've had a fun time getting things kind of up and going tonight. We had major technical difficulties before the show. We don't need to get into the details, but I do need to say thank you to our patrons. Our technical difficulties tonight will most assuredly result in expenses in order to get things back to um, exactly where they need to be. It's part of the nature of doing a live broadcast each and every week. I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, behind the scenes that can happen is we can have um, some technical glitches and things that hopefully we're able to still be able to bring you a great show and you're not even necessarily going to notice the difference. But then we've got to fix things got to fix things. So to our patrons, to those of you who are supporting Category 5 Technology TV, whether it be through Patreon or whether it be through direct donations, through PayPal, uh, maybe you've mailed us something or maybe you just purchased things through our partner links on our website, Category5.tv. That's a great way that you can support Category 5. So the funds that are raised through that uh, usually help us to kind of sustain things this time around this week. It's going to 
to help us to get things back up and running the way that they should be. So here's hoping that we have a a good week ahead. Right, Sash? I know it's going to be a great week ahead. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for your help. Absolutely. And thank you uh, for being here with us tonight. And Sasha, thank you for making the trip as well. You notice that Jeff is not here. No. Um, And Jeff, uh, of course, works down in Toronto and unfortunately is stuck in traffic. Um, We're on the air live on a Wednesday night now, if you're watching live. Now, if you're watching this on demand or maybe on cable TV on the weekend, um, you're catching the on-demand video. But if you ever want to catch us live, uh, we are very thankful to have a great internet connection now. And uh, we come to you live from a city called Barrie, Ontario in Canada. And uh, that is just uh, about an hour north of Toronto. And uh, we love doing this for you week after week. So Category 5 TV shirts are still available. You can head on over to cat5.tv slash shirts to pick yours up. Sasha, you've still got some of those uh, video games to give away. Yes, Dead Effect 2 VR. We still have a couple left to give away, so you can win yours by emailing contest at category5.tv. And let us know who you are, how you're watching, where you're watching from, any questions, comments, thoughts, concerns. Um, We will submit your ballot. We will draw one. You will win. You will love it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hi to the chat room. DJ Mike says, hey, we should shoot the show every single week on green screen. And then we can make it so that the show is anywhere in the world. Right, Sash? That's fun. I, we did that one time where I did the news from like a cave in Jamaica. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. Why we do not do green screen each and every week. Now, we do have a green screen chroma key studio here, uh, but our cameras have been upgraded to 4K. However, our broadcast server has not. So in order to pull a 4K stream, do live chroma key, we don't have the resources to do that. Eventually, now you'll notice if you are on Patreon, one of our goals is that we would like to upgrade our rig so that it's capable of 4K chroma key. Our show is still, uh, we max out at 1080p, so that's what we record at. But in order to actually process that amount of visual data, we need a more powerful system here at the studio. Uh, I mentioned chat room. Um, Hey, Lyndon, it's nice to see you again. C128D is here live. Marshman as well. Uh, If you ever want to join us in the chat room, you can head on over to our website, category5.tv, and you'll see the interact menu there. Sasha, you've got, uh, you got here real quick tonight. I got here so fast. We needed you here, and And lickety-split. How did you walk so fast? Okay, so here's the thing. Last week, at this time, I did not realize I would be talking about this. This is like one of those really last minute, super fun, spontaneous things I did. I bought a car. No way. I did. And okay. I bought a brand new car. Like I didn't no. just Are you serious? Oh, yeah. You're it's, spoiling yourself, girl. I know. It's amazing. Mm. Okay, so I went to the dealership to test drive a car thinking, okay, well, at some point soon, I'm going to buy one. I'm going to need to because it's about to snow and Dave is so amazing that he feels this responsible. Is Dave, her husband Dave. Yes. Yeah. He feels responsible every time there's bad weather to drive me wherever it is I'm willing to walk or bike. Oh, but bless now him. we've just had this heat I always want to call it a heat stroke. It's not. It's a heat wave. <laughs> so <laughs> It'll lead to it, Sash. To It'll lead keep to me, it. Keep yeah. me from heat stroke. He yeah. um, has been driving me everywhere. Amazing. And that's probably what... That's good of him. So, it, so you said... 
I guess the conversation went something like, well, you know, you've been driving me around. Thank you so much, sweetheart. But uh, I'll save you the trouble and I'll go buy myself a brand new car. Well, what happened was he said, I'm going to go golfing so I can't pick you up. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I I'll think go I'm, buy a car. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's okay. I just wanted to go test drive a car anyway. So don't worry. Don't rush home. And well, is that ever I nice? bought it. And for long-term viewers, um, Sasha um, sold her car thinking, hey, this is a great idea to bike to the studio each and every week and everywhere you go. And yeah. that didn't last through the Canadian winter. And that surprised me because as a Canadian, yeah. you know, we, we bike in the winter. Right. Okay. So I have to tell you a little bit about my car because okay. I... Brand new. I imagine it's technologically sophisticated. Right, so it's a 2018 Chevy Spark, so Chevrolet Spark. I don't know whether or not they're... Is Chevrolet International? I don't even know. Yes. Anyway, so it's a subcompact. It's a tiny car. It's not as small as you can get, but it's like a tiny bit bigger than that. Cool. The thing is, I've had it for like two hours now. Um, oh, so really? I don't... Yeah, oh, I wow. picked it up. Went to work, came here. So oh, we should be we should be doing like carpool karaoke or something like I that. Know, it's that like, should be the show tonight. There's 30 kilometers on my car right now, which what? is like 15 miles. Come on now. Yeah, it's incredible. Okay, so when I get into my car, it asked me to sync my phone, which I guess is a normal thing. But then yeah. it asked me to connect my phone with a USB cord, and now everything like it mirrors onto the screen the the dash. No. So I could see that you were messaging but my only response could possibly be can't talk now i'm driving right right um but i can listen to my music straight from my phone to my car i can um all my navigation is done through google maps i can talk to my car like through like i say okay google kind of like you would say hi alexa right um but i have never had anything nearly as sophisticated because i always base model things Mm -hmm. this car itself like was like stinking cheap so i could go with one level up you got a good deal Um, i really love that feature of new cars that you know you can connect bluetooth now my i have only ever bought a family van uh sasha so i don't know what it's like to drive around in a sporty brand new car but (laughs) my my family van does have bluetooth and and so it connects to my phone when i get in it which is cool for making and taking calls because then it's hands-free so um the whole danger of picking up the phone or texting while you're driving becomes a moot point because it just allows me to make and take calls by pushing a button on the dash and then using voice commands which is really really great um but um mine does not have the capability of streaming music from my phone over Bluetooth, and I wish it did. Mine does. Mine I has, love that. It's like my my car is. It's like I'm living inside my phone. That's what it's like. It's so connected to my phone that anything I can do with my phone, I could do with my car, and I can do it like by and large, hands free. I believe I haven't actually tried any of it really. So, if your husband Dave gets in the car, does the car say hello, Dave? I don't know. He ha- actually hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> but I have it, and I named it. So that's it. It's I red. love that. Absolutely love it. Now, to be fair to my, my van, there is a USB port in the glove box. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. And so I plugged a USB flash drive into it from the old van filled with MP3 music. And sure enough, it loaded up, and it plays from a USB drive. 
See? Which cool. is really, really nice. I would love, we should have done this show live, just dro- booting around. The only Why thing not? is, it's an automatic, not a standard. I wanted a standard. Okay. If anybody likes the show, or the show, the game Dark Souls, the Dark Souls series, I named my car Estes. Because that is how you get life in Dark Souls. You drink from the Estes flask. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have no idea what she's talking about either, folks. That's what happens no to me idea. every week. Every single week. There you go. Welcome to the Sasha Show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We've got to take a really quick commercial break. When we come back, we have a beautiful long-term supply single board computer from the wonderful Pine 64. We're going to pull it out of the box and see what it looks like. Stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. We've all heard of the Raspberry Pi, but there are other single board computers out there. Sasha, you ready to take, take a look? I certainly am. All right, so tonight we're going to unbox the Pine 64 LTS. Now, I've got kind of the kit here. I've got my trusty ruler so that we can measure everything. All right, let's get right into it. This is, uh, now LTS in this case for the Pine uh, A64 LTS stands for long-term supply. That means that they're going to support this thing and continue manufacturing it until uh, at least 2020. Where do I start? Okay, first of all, let's get right into the box of the Pine 64 LTS. There it is. The first thing that is immediately striking about this board is that it is significantly uh, larger form factor than, uh, than the Raspberry Pi that we're used to. Let's get in here. There it is. So this is the Pine A64 LTS, and uh, it has an all-winner R18, quad-core, ARM Cortex, uh, the uh, A53. That's a 64-bit processor, and that allows it to have uh, 2 gigabytes of uh, LPDDR3 RAM. Um, so it's got a, about, tw- well, twice as much memory as a Raspberry Pi. Um, so presumably we're able to do quite a bit more as well. Um, it has a built-in SPI boot flash. It's 128 megs. Um, and it's also got some really great capabilities here that we don't see on some of the smaller SBCs. First of all, uh, I'm going to flip this over. Now we do have uh, what looks like the SD card reader here. And uh, that's about it on this side. Over here we have, I hope you can see that all right, that's an EMMC 
input for uh, a module of up to 128 gigabytes. So that is essentially, so if you're used to uh, single board computers where you've got an SD card, we know that SD cards are not overly reliable and they do eventually um, basically fry themselves and you lose the, the data that's on them. And that's part of SBCs. We know that uh, SD cars, cards are not that reliable, so we tend to have a backup and be able to replace them on the fly. Now, EMMC, on the other hand, it's a solid state hard drive and it's quite a bit more reliable and significantly faster. Um, so this has that capability unlike the Raspberry Pi but similar to uh, the Odroid XU4 for example. Uh, you can boot from either or. So you can boot from either the EMMC or the SD card which is beautiful. You can put the OS on there and uh, you can choose which one you want to use. Now if you are a maker you're going to notice that it does have GPIO, so it's got the Pi 2 GPIO bus, uh, Euler GPIO bus, and it's got connections for other peripherals as well. Uh, lots of interfaces like UART, uh, SPI, I2C. Uh, so if you're a maker that you want to, you know, you want to integrate some sensors into this board uh, or other peripheral devices, you can do that. So it's a perfect maker board. It's going to get you up and going real good. Um, so this one comes with a one-year warranty. Looks great. Now. I don't see a USB input for power. Do you notice that? But what I do see is a barrel connector. So I assume that uh, this guy over here is going to be what we're looking for. So it is a 5-volt board, um, and this should be, let's see, we've got a 5-volt 3-amp. So 5 volt, 3 amps, and it has the, uh, the barrel connector. This is a, a 3.5 OD uh, over 1.35 ID barrel type or one or the other. There you go. So just like that. So it's a barrel connector anyways, not a standard USB micro or anything like that. So you will need a separate power supply uh, for this particular SBC. And you notice, again, it's quite a bit larger than uh, a traditional SBC, which might be about half the size, um, but we've got a case for it. So let's take a look at that. First of all, I say it's larger. Let's give the measurements here. So we've got three inches. You can see that okay, Sash? I can. Perfect. Three point, three inches and two, maybe three millimeters. And this way we've got five inches right on the money. So there you have it. Let's see what we've got here. Ooh, they look like AAA batteries. Huh. These look like, uh, like a type of riser. Oh, I'm excited about that. That looks nice. Okay. Let's get a look at what they've got here. So we've got some PVC. Oh, and it's got the Pine A64 logo there. Nice and simple. Now, it, is, it looks like it's quite open concept. There you go. So that's going to screw. So we've got a couple of screws here. I'm not going to actually assemble this, but you can use your imagining. And you see that these four screws will hold this onto the riser plate. And then the risers that we have here that look like AAA batteries, and they're about the same size as a AAA battery, they're going to give us a, a rise on that board as well, about this high. So you're going to have a lot of airflow, uh, but a lot of potential dust getting in there as well. So keep that in mind. You're going to want to keep that clean. That looks good. Okay. 
Now, other peripherals that you might need for your Pine A64 LTS. First of all, if you want to have Wi-Fi, it does support it, but you're going to have to get a separate module. And that looks a little something something like this. There we go, and I guess that just snaps right on here somewhere. Let's see, there we go. And then just like that, it has Wi-Fi? Well, that, that is Wi-Fi now. And then I guess this is just the antenna, so we can stick that on there. And then yes, you've got a Wi-Fi controller built in. Next up, I've got a 16 gigabyte. Uh, I mentioned um, the eMMC capabilities of this board. I love eMMC in comparison to, say, SD cards. More reliable, significantly faster, and that's all there is to it. So it looks roughly the size of a, a small SD card, but it's going to just simply snap onto the board just like so. So you just place it on top, find the spot, and snap it on, and now that is a 16-gigabyte uh, hard drive on that main board. Perfect. We've got a heat sink for the CPU, and just in case I want to flash my own OS on there, let's say I want to put NEMS Linux on it, or I want to put uh, a different distro of Linux or Android or Windows or whatever I want to put on there, they've included um, this extra peripheral, which you're probably going to have to buy separately. Now, we've uh, been sent this by Pine64 uh, Pine to, uh, to review, uh, but this is a eMMC USB adapter. So now I can just simply plug this into the adapter and plug that into my computer and be able to flash any OS onto that that's compatible with this board. So speaking of compatible um, OS's, now this carries the A64 markings and it is the A64 uh, LTS. So you might presume that an A64 uh, Plus uh, OS will run on this, and that is not the case. This will run any of the uh, Sopine platform uh, OSs, and that is due to the uh, to the RAM configuration of this particular board. So that means that the A64 Plus distributions of Linux or whatever it is that you want to install will not run on this board, even though it carries the A64 um, marking. Okay, so you need the Sopine versions of those OSs. So that's uh, any of the builds that are available on the Sopine uh, platform. So there you have it. I can't wait to fire that up. I love unboxings. They're absolutely my favorite, favorite episodes. I love the single board computers and how there are other brands that are really on the rise. The A64 LTS is something that I'm really excited about. Find out more about this board. I've got the links below, but head on over to pine64.org and you'll be able to check out this board. Stick around. We've got to take a really quick break. When we get back, we are going to be looking at the brand new release of GIMP, the GNU Image Manipulation Program. Well, 2.10.4 is out. We're going to show you what it looks like right after this. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, 
you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners and thank you for watching. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Now, our website is www.category5.tv. Just go category5.tv in the address bar there in your browser. And you're going to be able to see all the different shows that we produce. Now, this being episode number 564 of Technology TV, that means there are 563 other ones that you can go onto our website and catch those shows. Um, there are some great ways to participate in the community, to become a part of our Patreon uh, page as well so that you can get some behind the scenes access. Things like our, um, our weekly vlog um, Sasha was talking about maybe going out to the car um, and showing her new car on the Patreon vlog, for example. So if you're a patron, you gain access to those things. And that's all through our website at Category5.tv One of the things that we love here Sasha? Yes. Any guesses? One of the things we Just love here is unboxings? Yeah, we love unboxings. She's going to say Linux. Yes, we love She's Linux. She's going to say open source software. Yes. Open source software. Why do I love open source software so much? Ah, uh, why? Beca because it's your heart. I don't know why. Because they it's open and it, nobody makes money off it. <laughs> 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 yes, Robbie, who gives away the show for free, loves things that make no money. No, um, there is that. But I think there's this whole kind of spirit of community around open source software that says, and sometimes this is not the case, but certainly a lot of the times it is. It's people working together to develop software that they love and they are passionate about and they distribute and they give away absolutely free so that community members, people who want to just go to their websites and download it, can do that. You and took, it's free. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's like, it's like the tech flash mob. Like the way everybody just in community gets together and they do something for the greater good. Only this is just open source. Not just open source. <laughs> it is open source. It's just like it. It's just like it. So you think about things like Microsoft Windows. And then you realize that there is Linux. Look at Linux Mint. Look at Ubuntu. Look at Ubuntu Mate. And realize that Windows being a commercial application, that's closed source. It's proprietary and it, is, it belongs to Microsoft. And you're paying for that. Linux, on the other hand, is open source. It's free. You can download it. You can install it. You're not limited to how many computers you put it on. You can put it on everything, and it still remains free. You can do all the same things that you normally would, like going on the Internet, doing the, you know, checking your email, surfing the web, watching YouTube, watching Category 5. All these things can be done. And then you say, well, yeah, but I need Photoshop because we're back in that mindset of proprietary, commercial, it's owned by Adobe, it's not something that we can just have and install on everything. But then we realize, oh, just like Linux is to Windows, there are alternatives to things like Photoshop. Sasha's got a guess. Um, GIMP? GIMP. And when you <laughs> say GIMP, 
It stands for the GNU Image Manipulation Program. GIMP for short. GIMP.org is where you can go. Head on over there. GIMP.org. I'm going to see if I can bring up my screen here. I'm sure I could. Here we are. And there we are. And the first screen that you see is giant huge button that says download 2.10.4 that's what it says today tomorrow it might be 10 2.10.5 <laughs> <laughs> so you click on that and lo and behold hey download it directly and it's available for linux so if you've already made that choice that hey i want to go the open source route not use microsoft windows not use mac os i want linux and you've made that choice hey you can install the gnu image manipulation program on your linux system and now you've got an open source alternative to adobe photoshop on that computer as well so you're saving some money my friend you are frugal but then look right next to that it's also available for os 10 it's also available for Microsoft Windows. If you are stuck on Microsoft Windows, or maybe you love it, you can still download the GNU Image Manipulation Program, and you can give it a go. Hey, it doesn't hurt anything to try it, right? So why not head on over to GIMP.org and download that application and install it to your computer. So if you're on Windows, just click on the Microsoft Windows link, and it'll take you there. This tells us a whole big bunch of, you see, I mean, this tells us a lot about the GNU image manipulation program. It's been around for years and years. And right now, with 2.10.4, why am I so excited about it tonight? Anything that I could ever complain about with the GNU image manipulation program or anything that would make somebody say, yeah, I like that it's open source. I like that it's free, but it's not as good as Photoshop. A lot of those things anything that you can think of other than CMYK we'll talk about that but any of those things are resolved so now we have we're at the place with this free program where the GIMP is so good you can use this in commercial for commercial use you can use this I have used this to do billboard scale print jobs and I do it all in RGB because the GNU image manipulation program, if you want to look for anything that is better in Photoshop, that would be my example, would be that Photoshop will work in both CMYK and RGB. If you don't know what that means, it probably does not matter to you. Graphic designers will prefer to work in CMYK. It's more photo accurate in print so when you print something it's going to probably come out more accurately but with some care RGB which is red green blue can still produce an exceptional result and if you're producing images for web for online for screen display and for most print jobs too RGB is gonna work just absolutely fine so it's not a downfall in the GIMP it's just truly that's probably the biggest uh, the biggest um, thing that is different about the GIMP so with 10.2, uh, pardon me, 2.10.4 having been released, there are a bunch of really great new features. Now, I mentioned that some things have been fixed that used to be idiosyncrasies about the program. Now, those would be things like when you used to rotate an image a little bit, it would go blurry because it didn't have very good interpolation for re-interpolating the pixels. 
Photoshop had a one-up on that. Things like scaling down images, Photoshop did a better job because the GIMP would come out with a blurry image if you scaled down. Now that's no longer a problem. I've showed it on Category 5 before, but uh, I will show it again tonight really briefly. Uh, but um, so that is no longer a problem. So now looking at 2.10.4, we have some enhancements to things like the measure tool, which is what I want to look at tonight in our demonstration. But it allows us to fix the horizon of our image, uh, our images. And I want to show you that, so I'm not going to get too much into it. It has asynchronous font loading. What does that mean? When you open your program, it loads all the fonts. Well, now GIMP says, you know what? You probably don't need Comic Sans MS. So let's not load it until you de demand it. Let's let's just wait. And and so it, it and because it's asynchronous, it's doing other things while it's loading those fonts, and so it's going to load up a lot quicker. We've got font tagging. We've got dashboard updates, which means that they have made some improvements to the UI. Um, the PSD loading. So this is important. They've made some enhancements to the way it loads PSD files. That may not mean anything to you, but if you are transferring files between someone who uses Photoshop and the GIMP, a PSD file is a file that was saved in Photoshop. Photoshop document, I believe it stands for. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a PSD file was saved in the actual Adobe Photoshop uh, program in their format. So in the GNU image manipulation program, if you make that transition, now you can open all those PSD files, and it does a very, very good job of loading PSD files directly. They have been working toward Gaggle and Babel support, and that is just nonsense, right? But it means that, again, the interpolation is much, much better, speed is much, much better, and a lot of the plugins have been redone to work better and more professionally. Gaggle is a big part of that. And again, you don't need to know all the details, but you can read about it on their website at GIMP.org. Are you ready to get into it, Sash? Certainly am. Can I show you how this works? Please. Have you? Sash, I'm talking to you, kid. Yeah. Have you ever taken a photo only to realize that you, you, it looks like it was taken by a one-legged pirate. Uh, you know me well. Holding the camera, <laughs> take the picture. You think it's straight, but you know you're you're a little bit skewed, right. so it ends up being horribly skewed. I've got a picture here that we're going to pretend I took. In fact, I did not. I got it from Pexels. Pexels.com. Check them out. Okay, open with GNU Image Manipulation Program. Now I skewed it. The photographer didn't do this to it. Welcome to the GIMP. This is the GNU Image Manipulation Program 2.10.4. Beautiful. Now, I am running this on Microsoft Windows 10. You can run this on any platform, Windows, Mac, Linux. And you'll notice with this photo, now it is incredibly skewed. If I create a box, uh, I can see that a one-legged pirate did take this picture. And this happens very, very often. Now, I get photos from customers that because when you're standing in a room, if you are not looking straight at the wall, you're looking a little bit off, that horizon of the wall will be off. And so in your mind, you think, oh, we'll straighten it and then take the picture. But then it ends up actually being crooked because it's not where the horizon should be. So I'm using this extreme example to really quickly show you one of the great new features, the enhancements that come built into the GIMP 2.10.4. Now, 
this is a free program, remember, and we've got all these great tools. We've got filters. We've got color. Uh, you know, if you want to fix the levels of a photo, you can do that just like you would in, an, in Adobe Photoshop. And then you can save those settings to, to the photo just like that. Or you can undo. You've got all these options. Filters. As I mentioned, we've got things like Gaussian Blur. You need to install this, go through these things, and just play and have fun. But in this example, now I brightened it up a little bit there with my levels, and in this example, I want to fix the horizon. Now, normally, I would go through a process of having to rotate the image, which I can do. I can turn on things like a, a grid if I want to be able to kind of line that up. Let's see if I can show grid. I don't know. I'm just kind of playing. But sometimes, yeah, there are things like show grid. I don't know where it is. But just to say, there, you know, sometimes we hack around things and have to go like that, and then we crop it, and it's not ideal. Now, watch how easy they've made this. So looking again at this as a possible professional um, suite to use... I'm going to just simply use the measure tool, which is usually used to, of course, measure, right? And we can use this to now fix the horizon of any photo. So when I say horizon, I'm using an actual sunset horizon. You may be using a photo in a room or indoors, outdoors, whatever, but the horizon being, you know, where it should be straight. So jumping back here. I'm going to change my interpolation. Now, I mentioned how things used to get blurry if you made some changes because we only had none linear and cubic. Now we have no halo. And with no halo interpolation, we're able to get a very, very nice, clean um, pixel um, recreation if we modify the, the image, the scaling, and those kinds of things. Then we've got the clipping. Now, this is how we want to um, work with the image, how we want to crop it or whatever um, after we straighten it. So I'm I'm going to show you those features in just a moment and it'll all make sense. So I'm going to just simply click on the horizon and drag and I'm going to just put a line, what looks like a line with the measure tool and let go. Now there's a line where the horizon is. You can see that? And so now all I have to do, you ready for this Sasha? I am. What do you think about this button? Straighten. I'm going to push that and just watch what happens to this picture. Now, it's fast. I'm working with a 4818 by 2590 photo. And now my horizon is perfectly straight. Look at that if I make a box. That is perfect. It's beautiful. But I've got this like strange kind of cropping happening because it's done it within the canvas. And so it's got these kind of, you know, the alpha section showing behind. Right. So I'm going to change the way that I do this by going back to my measure tool, mm -hmm. which has moved now that I made that wider. Where to go? There it is. All right. Leaving interpolation and no halo because I want it to stay real clean. Let's look at what clip does differently. So I'm going to do the same thing and straighten. And lo and behold, Clip looks pretty much the same to me as adjust. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to undo, and I'm going to change to crop to result. Now this is starting to sound promising. And do my line, straighten. And you may not think to look for this under measure. Huh. 
But there it is. So now you see what's happened. We've still got that alpha area, but it is uh, the image has been cropped so that I can now right-click on the image and go Image, and then Crop to Content. Watch what happens. Boom. Nice. There is a beautiful image that I can now work with that has a perfect horizon. And I didn't have to figure it out. I didn't have to do any calculations. I didn't have to line things up and zoom in and squint. It was just that easy. That is incredible. I could probably do that. <laughs> That's our measurement, folks. <laughs> Sasha, do you think you could do this? I think I could do that. She thinks she could do this, so <laughs> you can do it too. But truthfully, I mean, okay, let's backtrack just real quick. GIMP GNU Image Manipulation Program is free. You can download it from GIMP.org. It runs on Windows, Linux, and Mac, and it is continually being developed by an open source community of developers, and it is continually improving. Now with 2.10.4 available, you can do something like straighten your image horizon just that easily. Go to GIMP.org, pick up your copy today. It's absolutely free. What are you waiting for? We'll be right back. Uh, I'm going to throw it. I'm actually going to throw it right over to the newsroom, and then we'll take a quick break after uh, you tell us what's going on. Sounds like a plan. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Under a government proposal to cut emissions, new homes in suburban England will need to be fitted with electric car charging points. A migrating tagged male stork blipped out of contact on April 26th, only to run up a $2,700 phone bill a few weeks later. Amazon wants to fill the gap left by the closure of stores like Toys R Us by sending out printed catalogs. And a friendly reminder, in case you haven't already upgraded your web hosting to, to use SSL, effective this month, Google is warning users that their websites aren't secure. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yaman. Yeah, you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. New homes in suburban England will need to be fitted with electric car charging points under a government proposal to cut emissions. Also, wherever there's on-street parking, ministers want new street lights to come with charge points. Details of a sales ban on new conventional gas and diesel-powered cars by 2040 are also expected to be set out. The strategy comes at a time when the government is facing criticism for failing to reduce carbon emissions. The government's target is to reduce the UK's greenhouse gas emissions by at least 80% of 1990 levels by the year 2050. The proposals announced by Transport Secretary Chris Grayling aim to make it easier to recharge an electric car. Grayling said that the proposed measures would mean having 
the UK having one of the most comprehensive support packages for zero emission vehicles in the world. He said the prize is not just a cleaner and healthier environment, but a UK economy fit for the future and the chance to win a substantial slice of the market estimated to be worth up to 7.6 trillion pounds by 2050. Wow. Okay. Okay. So... This is absolutely incredible and it seems inconceivable to me because here we are without anything like that in North America. But I I wonder to myself, and this is not me trying to be in any way like dark or anything, but how are they getting the electricity? Like, is it the electricity not being sourced in a way that's not green? Do you know, Mm -hmm. Robbie? You know, my knowledge of UK electrical generation is well outdated. And I know that it was very much skewed toward gas and coal um, generation. Renewable resources were very low. Now, I'm just checking if things have been improving. And and I do see that um, it looks like... It looks like renewable energy is on its way up. Like, we're looking at almost 25% at this point. Now, in the past, the UK has, as I mentioned, very much been skewed toward gas coal with very little nuclear renewable energy and so we're starting to see that rise and that's part of you know initiatives to push for renewable energy sources so looking at uh, i'm looking at energy-uk.org.uk and renewable technology um, which is um, natural energy to make electricity fuel sources like wind that's a big one that's something that's been really booming (laughs) Uh, wind, wave, marine, hydro, biomass, and solar. So now making up 24.5% of electricity generated for the UK. Um, so that's a huge rise over, say, 10 years ago when it was closer to like 5%. So I'm, I'm pleased to see that. Because it's an interesting point that you raised, Sasha, where it's kind of... You know, where is the advantage to switching to electrical motor vehicles if the electricity itself is being generated using dirty means, means right? Right. I, I, you know what? This is interesting and, and timely for me because I just bought a car. And while I was looking for cars, electric cars came to my mind as an option. But I was really scared. Well, I scared off by the price point because right now electric cars are still way more expensive than the Uh, gas cars. But mm -hmm. then also charging them for me wouldn't be as easy. Like there are some charging stations in in the city we live in, in Barrie. Um, But then charging it at home seems like you have to... I, I rent. It You'd seems like I would install. have to install. You'd have, have to, to have a thing something. installed that you would have to pay for. Absolutely. Right. And I would have to ask my landlord because, of course, it's right. his electricity bill. And it seems easier in this particular case just to buy a small little four-cylinder car and, and fill up a small gas tank and not make a huge dent in the fact that it's little. I'd rather be electrical, but I feel like we've got a little bit of time before it actually happens here. You don't think we're ready for it? And I, I, I can understand, like you mentioned about there are charging stations here in our city of Barrie, Ontario, and it's true, but they are all kind of clustered together, and they're only near a particular shopping center. So, hey, if you happen to be shopping at that shopping center, or maybe you're lucky enough to work there and have an electric car, it makes absolute sense. But if you live or work on the other side of town, to have to drive 
25 minutes to a charging station and then, you know, dilly-dally in the shopping center for however long it takes to charge your car. It just doesn't seem, doesn't seem practical at all. So close. We're getting there. Working on it. Exactly. Maybe what the UK initiative is, is doing is making it practical. <laughs> Maybe that's what it takes. Maybe it takes having them installed in every house. Exactly. Wow. All right. A migrating tagged male white stork known to the Polish environmentalists who were tracking him as Kajek blipped out of contact on April 26. That, however, did not stop him from making good use of the SIM card in his GPS tracker, with which the bird or somebody who found the GPS device and picked it apart in order to get at the card racked up a $2,700 phone bill. Kajek was last located at the Blue Nile Valley Valley in Sudan on his way back home to Poland after successfully making his annual 6,000 kilometer or 3,700 mile trip to Africa when his GPS tracker showed that he had stopped moving. Then when his GPS tracker showed that Kajak had stopped moving, researchers at the environmental group Ecologic assumed that the bird was dead. They had placed the tracker on him in April of last year in a fairly routine practice. He was, it was April 26 when things got weird. That was when the scientists who were monitoring KJX tracker noticed that the bird's signal started moving again, taking a roundabout 25-kilometer trip before it went dead. Then, a number of weeks later, on June 7th, Ecologic got the giant bill from its phone company. The group believes that in June, someone pulled apart the tracker to get at the SIM card, then used it for the marathon call everyone everywhere spree, running up the $2,700 bill. Ecologic said that it doesn't know who made the calls and they expect that they'll have to fork over the money for the phone bill out of their own pockets. So... Mm. Now I use pay as you go so that if my SIM card or my phone ever gets lost, the worst that could happen is they could use up the remaining balance. Right. And to think that they had a calling plan on a SIM card on a bird's tracker and then didn't cancel it when the bird stopped flying. Right. So my question is really... Mm -hmm. If my SIM card gets stolen, yeah, right, I'm I'm responsible for the bill. Yeah, you sure are. And so uh, I think that the key thing is to call your service provider and cancel it immediately. Let them know that hey, my SIM card. And the worst that can happen is is that they cancel it, and then you find your phone or whatever, and then you just buy another SIM card for ten dollars, and they port the number over to the new SIM card. Okay, I have a, I have a second question, and it's kind of an environmentalist question. They're putting these trackers on birds, yes. so I don't know exactly how they equip them. But then they just like once the bird stops moving or is presumed dead, it's just like mm, right because the tracker no. is dead, right? So are they just letting it just be where it, it lays? And I'm then sure. It's you know what, Sasha? I'm sure that if it was like nearby that they would go and collect it but realistically i mean these birds are migrant birds that are traveling great distances they could go down in a jungle or you know who knows i don't know where they fly but in a i i think that they would you know could go down in a very dangerous place where right. they're not going to go in and look for and who knows where it is right and 
And then what about predators, right? So sure. you put a tracker on and a predator attacks the prey that you put the tracker on. That's possible. N- now they've ingested this. Maybe there should be... We did a news story once about um, making like parts of hearts with um, like silicone or... So- it was something that was non-toxic, obviously, because it was in a human body. Could they not come up with some sort of tracker device that maybe would dissolve Ingestible. after? It tastes tastes like gummy bears? Exactly. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I think they might be larger than that. I mean, but it's a GPS unit, right? With a battery that has to last a fairly good amount of time and be trackable from GPS satellites. Um, So what it boils down to is it's probably probably not reclaimable in most cases. And in this case, I think it was just... Oh, like facepalm that they didn't cancel the service on that SIM card. Yeah, they will never make that mistake again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Amazon's move into retail has largely hinged around opening or acquiring brick-and-mortar stores. But this holiday season, the online retailer will reportedly try something different printed catalogs. We're talking about a massive holiday-themed catalog dedicated entirely to toys to conveniently fill the void left behind by the recently shuttered Toys R Us chain in the United States. Amazon's toy-specific catalog will be mailed to millions of Amazon shoppers' homes and will also be given away for free at Whole Foods locations. While the report compared this catalog to similar Christmas season toy catalogs from Toys R Us, Target, and other big box retailers, it did not confirm whether Amazon Amazon's planned book will be as big as those 100-plus page catalogs. The report also didn't clarify if or how the book will include price information since the site hinges so largely on dynamic pricing and prime-exclusive deals. This is actually a super cool idea, I think, from a marketing perspective for people who perhaps haven't delved into the world of online shopping yet. And this you think is those like- exist? Yeah, I think they. I think so. Right? And Lin- Lyndon wants to know, like, why are they stepping backwards here, as far as the way things are done? I well, I think that this is not a step backwards for them in that they're trying to get new customers. I think this is a new customer acquisition situation. So they're really like capitalizing on the nostalgia of the catalogs, but they're sending them to, to, or they're having them picked up at Whole Foods and perhaps, you know, grandma or grandpa, or could just be anybody who doesn't online shop, opens the catalog and sees how easy it is to get all of okay. these things right directly to your house. I think that's one perspective. Now, my perspective goes right where Lyndon and the Foo in our chat room are thinking about the Sears Wish Book. And, you know, that was the big, thick catalog that came out every year and had everything. And we would sit down as kids. I'm not going to date myself here. Sears just went out of business, so it could have been just a, year, a few years ago. Who knows? Um, We would sit down as kids and we flipped through and our Christmas list was like circling the things that we wanted. And and our lists would be, um, you know, if it was handwritten, it would be page 273 I4. And that was like what I wanted for Christmas right? (laughs) or for my birthday or whatever. Right. Um, So there's a nostalgia for people who grew up in that era. And I think, Lyndon, that it's not so much a step backwards as it is 
improving loyalty for the nostalgic. Um, look at the retro gaming systems that we that we look at here on the show. Look at the um, NES Mini and the SNES Mini and these kinds of things. And you think these are appealing to the nostalgic. Mm-hmm. People are probably not going out and getting retro games because they're amazing. It's nostalgia. And, uh, and there's something about when it looks like a little mini Nintendo Entertainment System that really makes it, brings it on home. Right. I so bet, I wonder, I, like I really it. do wonder how they're going to do pricing. They probably won't have prices in the catalogs. They can't. They cannot. They can't. Especially so, when it's such an international um, system, like the whole Amazon idea. You're going to have to take, maybe you can scan things. We'll see. But take those codes, take them onto the website, and then get your pricing. Yeah. I want, yeah, they might have those, Q, whatever they're called, the Q, Q, QI codes. QR? We're QR? Really ste- now we're really stepping back in time. Oh, That's is, that, a- <laughs> is that old? Oh, I don't I'm know. Old. QR codes really, you know, looked like they had a lot of potential. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, let's get a QR code. And they put it on every product. And then they just kind of fizzled and nobody uses them. Okay. It just kind of seemed to die as a technology, I think. Maybe until now, maybe they'll be in the catalog. <laughs> maybe. Or they'll bring out something new. And the Amazon app will be able to scan from your phone the new type of code that Amazon implements. You watch for it. I'm going to patent that right now, marking it down. New QR code from Amazon. Got it. This is exciting. Yes. For the past several years, Google has moved toward a more secure web by strongly advocating that sites adopt HTTPS encryption. And within the last year, they've helped users understand that HTTP sites are not secure by gradually marking a larger subset of HTTP pages as not secure. Effective this month with the release of Chrome 68, Chrome will mark all HTTP sites as not secure. Developers have been transitioning their sites to HTTPS and ma- and making the web sa- the web safer for everyone. Progress last year was incredible and it's continued since then. Over 68% of Chrome traffic on both Android and Windows is now protected. Over 78% of Chrome traffic on both Chrome OS and Mac is now protected and 81 of the top 100 sites on the web use HTTPS by default. Chrome's new interface will help users understand that all HTTP sites are not secure and to continue to move the web towards a secure HTTPS web by default. HTTPS is an easier and easier and cheaper than ever before and it unlocks both performance improvements and powerful new features that are too sensitive for HTTP. Wow. Sasha, wow. all that a lot of viewers heard right there is HTTP, HTTPS, HTTP, HTTPS, and what does it all mean? And I'm wondering, yeah, I understand like the S stands for secure, is that yeah. right? Yeah, well, That's... HTTP is the protocol that your computer uses in order to access the internet. So when you look at your web browser's address bar and it says HTTP colon slash slash and then category5.tv or whatever website you're on, Amazon.com or whatever, but it starts with HTTP is the old way or now HTTPS. So HTTP was the original protocol that allowed this information, HT, um, hypertext, HT, um, transfer protocol. Uh, so it allowed the transmission of that hypertext information, which are, if you back up to the 1960s when the internet was invented, um, it's hypertext is uh, like website 
content, the, the text, the, the way that it interacts with one another, the way that hrefs links connect to one another. And uh, so that protocol is used to send and receive, transmit and receive data. Um, so then it was realized that, hey, this is not very safe. We're sending a lot of information over a protocol that can be intercepted and read. Now, hypertext, think about it, text. It is text. It is readable by anyone who sees it. So you've heard of man in the middle attack, M-I-T-M, man in the middle. That is somebody who has a server or a computer or a router or a modem or a device on the internet or network that is listening for hypertext traffic, text traffic, and they can then save that, log it, aggregate it, and read it. So if it's confidential information, now they have access to that. So what has happened over the past couple of years, and now Google is forcing, is that all of that traffic needs to be encrypted. So when you look at your address bar, it now says HTTPS for Hypertext Transfer Protocol Secure, or SSL. And so then you, are, you can rest assured that the information that's being sent to your computer from the server and back to that server from your computer is encrypted. So it cannot be intercepted by that man-in-the-middle attack. Well, it can. Correction, it can be intercepted, but it cannot be understood. It's no longer plain text. It's encrypted data flow. Um, so Google has put their foot down. They've said, Okay, we're forcing the internet to be HTTPS. Now, if you run Chrome and you go to a website that is not HTTPS, which means it's secure, it's going to tell you it's not secure. So if you run a website, you have to set up SSL certificates and you have to enforce that anyone who goes to your site, it automatically puts them on HTTPS. That's important. And it's also, you know, it's not just to stop Google's browser from complaining about it. No, it's to protect the end users. Um, Category 5 TV, we switched to HTTPS years ago because we want to protect the confidentiality of our viewers, our users, as they interact with us. So that's important to us, and it should be important to you as well. Um, you can check out, just quickly, Sasha, if I may, I know you're like, hey, you really kind of took over no, my show No, this is here. perfect. This has been very helpful. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Let's Encrypt is a free service that allows you to set up SSL certificates on your website. They have an amazing, amazing website that you simply tell it a little bit about your server and it will give you the codes that you need in order to set this up on your computer. So it's letsencrypt.org. You can head on over there. I've just brought it up on my screen just to confirm I had it right in my mind. Letsencrypt.org. What it means is that you can have secure hosting at no extra charge because in days gone by, one of the things that kept people from setting up SSL, secure certificates and encryption, is that it cost money. Now Let's Encrypt has changed all that and uh, it's free. So check out letsencrypt.org. We love free. Yay. Yay. When, when it's good. When it's good. Thank you so much, Robbie. And big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, 
I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. Thank you so much for being here again with us this week. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Please go to our website, Category5.tv. Track us down. Track down this episode, number 564 of Technology TV, and submit your comments. Give us a thumbs up. If you're watching on YouTube, don't just give us a thumbs up. Give us a subscribe as well. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. We'll see you.